The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, the voice of Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars, episode 187. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hi, I'm Robert King, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we look at the deeper themes and meanings found in the stories and characters in that galaxy far, far away. This past week, we had the three-episode premiere of the new season of The Bad Batch, Season 3. It's the final season of this animated series about the long-suffering A-team of the Old Republic trying to find peace under the boot of the Empire. We're going to talk about all three episodes today, and joining the conversation are Joshua Beagley. Hi, Josh. Hello, hello. And Catherine Laffrey. Welcome back. Hello, good to be here. So just like all our other review podcasts, we're going to talk about all the events of these episodes. So here is your spoiler warning. Uh, If you want, you'd better go watch those episodes and then come back and listen to the rest of the podcast. Now, this wasn't exactly a three part episode, but each episode built up on the common storyline. It's definitely focusing on a season wide arc of the batch rescuing Omega and Crosshair. At least, at least it's going to be the arc of a good chunk of the season. Um, so hopefully we will see them rescued from the clutches of Dr. Hemlock and the empire. And it, uh, starts off with, uh, the first episode confined. And that focuses on Omega's life at the clone experimentation facility on Tantus. And then in paths unknown, we follow Hunter and Wrecker as they try to track Dr. Hemlock down, picking up a few young clones along the way. And in the third episode, Shadows of Tantus, Omega is forced to flee when her blood is tested. She escapes with Crosshair and a Lurka Hound named Batcher. So there's a lot going on in these three episodes. A lot, a lot. <laughs> so much going on. Um, let's let's just take them one at a time and uh, start with Confined. Um, I mean, here we are, close focus on... Omega in prison. What uh, what jumped out at you about this episode to begin with? A great opening sequence. I love this shuttle crash and, you know, seeing Hemlock's disdain for anyone who doesn't fulfill their duties. Shut the speaker off and, oh, well, let him die. But, yeah, it was quite fascinating. Just big, powerful, action-packed start. I, I like seeing... Omega's time, I guess, as a prisoner. Prisoner. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like she's 
still given a lot of the liberties, but it's also sort of seeing her role play out throughout, I guess, these first three episodes of finding her purpose and where she's supposed to be going was really mm-hmm. interesting of how they set that up in the first episode of her sort of being like just this regular worker who's kind of gets her blood taken every now and then. But like, that's about it. And there's not really much thought of it early on. Yeah. She's a, just an ordinary lab assistant. Like anybody who goes out and gets a job as a lab assistant completely freely on their own, except that she's not completely free and she is not allowed to leave and she's not allowed to say no to anything. She's, She's not even allowed to have like a little straw doll. (laughs) Yeah. That she makes for herself. It's like, it's for your own good. And not to mention the water torture. Yeah. Drip. drip. Oh, you could, I mean, it was, it was eerie because you, you feel the monotony of the days. Everything's the same. Mm -hmm. But then you realize that water drip is just this mild form of torture to get her to step in line. And as she goes through that episode, you see her getting more and more looking like Emery, but thankfully still resisting it all. So you think that water drip was intentional? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. Unless the umpire's that shoddy at plumbing, but. <laughs> I mean, they did have a really lame exhaust port on the Death Star, but. Uh, true, true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the other the other like really cool time marker that I loved was the the way they showed the um the sort of wheel of blood testing shift oh, yeah. one notch. Um yeah. every time they wanted to do a major time shift and and it just like that shunk was um yeah, it was just so powerful. Um it almost felt like multiple episodes like it was only a like a 22 23 minute episode um it felt in and and i mean this in 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 a good way it felt like hours you know because of those time shifts every one of them felt like the end of the episode and oh no there's more and um it didn't feel like it dragged but it felt like i could feel the time weighing down on on her yeah in the rewatch it really did feel longer i was going wait i thought that would be in the next episode this is still the first episode you mm-hmm. you go to her taking care of batcher and it's like wait i thought that was in the next episode so yeah it really did feel like it could have been an hour long in a good way, like you said, just full of information and what's happening and that tension of the music and the visuals of light and shadow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sort of how I also felt. It's like these first three episodes more or less just seem like one long intro movie rather than okay. individual episodes of it just kind of, okay, you know, we're sort of just seeing all of these timestamps of her in the prison together instead of it being... Okay, like this this episode has like a specific mission that they're trying to accomplish something. That doesn't really happen until episode three, but we'll get there. <laughs> we will. We will <laughs> get there. I mean, we're reminded, as you say, Catherine, like right from the beginning, we're reminded of just the absolute coldness of Doctor Hemlock. Um, 
and the complexity of Emery. What what did you think about her and and like her relationship with Nalase and 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 with Hemlock? I think it's more interesting to see her interactions with Omega uh-huh. and how she's trying to be like this older sister almost. But then you still see that like mind controller on her. He's like, is this even really her? Or what exactly is what what is she trying to do? And we don't really know much about her as a character yet. But other than I guess she is a clone same as Omega. Uh it's just been interesting to see. That that sort of headband graphy glasses thing. You took that as a mind controller? Is, is that? I don't entirely know. Um, in my mind, I, I see the back piece, but I don't know if it's attached to the glasses. It's just like one entire thing. Or I'm, I was just assuming it's been the mind controller okay. aspect, but I could be wrong. That would be interesting because I, I was wondering about those glasses. The fact that they're colored the way that they're almost screen-like, almost like augmented reality glasses. Mm-hmm. So how much of it is actually coloring her vision of, you know, the bigger picture, what's going on here? Because there's times where she it seems like she's going to connect with Omega, but then she's so robotic. Where mm-hmm. every day, good morning, Omega. We mm-hmm. have work to do. I was like, what is going on with her? And yet she saved the stuffy. So. Well, and in in uh, last season, she helped out um, Crosshair. So, uh, yeah, she's kinda. she's kinda, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's a fascinating character. I definitely want to know more about her, um, especially Crosshair's warning about her to Omega. Yeah. So that was interesting. Not all clones are to be trusted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I noticed a number of other um, women technicians who also seem to be wearing headbands like Emery's. Their hair all the same. Their walk the hair, is all yeah. the same. Yeah. So I wonder. I'm I'm assuming they are all clones as well, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, yeah, the, I mean the backgrounds were just so rich that it, it opens up lots of, lots of world building possibilities. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I think that's one of the things that I, that I love about like all the good star Wars that's out there is it, it, it just suggests a much, a much larger world than, um, than the particular story that we're, we're focusing on. Um, and that's, yeah, I that's love wonderful. the overview of the lab where you see them day after day moving around the lab in mm-hmm. the same way every single time. And it really mimicked that clockwork of the centrifuge for mixing this, yes. the samples. Yeah. That was really cool. I loved crosshair in this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Did anybody else hear his voice change? At what point? I, so when he called out to Omega to come back to him, and he, when he said all the time when he was like, leave me alone, she's sitting there talking at him through the through his, you know, cage. And uh, he still had that gravelly hiss, his like snake like sound. Mm. And then he get when she's walking away and he gets up and he calls her back. His voice sounded almost exactly like Hunter's. 
the gravelly hiss was gone. It just was a little softer, a little more brotherly. And I was like, okay, there's something more to him in there. Hmm. I did not notice that, but I, I, I love the idea of it. And yeah. I more so picked up on his interactions with Omega as like a comedic relief almost. He's like, she's like, I'm going to get out of here. And he's like, do you have a plan? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I have that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a kid. You can't, you can't do that. <laughs> or did you learn plan? Was it 72? She's like, oh yeah, tech taught me. Of course he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although yeah. that's that's in the third episode, getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, a that was there. the third. Sorry. Yeah, it all yeah. blends together so beautifully. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's almost like it's all part of the same story, right? Um, it's wonderful. Almost, yeah. I did stop and count Omega's hash marks on the wall. Yeah, I think it was like a hundred and fifty plus at one point in time. Okay. So, there's been a good time lapse as well. Yeah. yeah, I counted what is like at least it was at least three or four months. Um, yeah, is what I counted. So yeah, yeah, that would be. Yeah, there were like six rows of at least five sets of five or something mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, long time, and um, and her hair's grown out. Um, mm-hmm. So so she's got a little ponytail there. So time passes, and then. We shift our scene to uh, to Hunter and Wrecker dealing with, you know, infighting among the various criminal organizations and um, using that as a way to get information on on uh, Dr. Hemlock. Again, like a really stunning sort of tone setting opening scene. Um, that has nothing to do with our plot directly, but it just shows you the the cruelty of the people we're dealing with. Yeah, best Star Wars drop floor ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Once again, evidence that, uh, yeah, handrails are apparently forbidden in the Star Wars universe. (laughs) Um, I I thought that scene was really interesting of just seeing, like, the main crime syndicates coming together and just kind of fighting. Of them just kind of disposing of a Pike syndicate, you know, somebody mm-hmm. who's supposed to be like essentially like the running of the the drug world, um, just kind of gone and out of the picture now. Yeah, for now, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's more than just the one, but oh yeah, someone will take his place. Yeah, very likely somebody from from that uh, new from that other crime syndicate. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Was that our first time to see what's his name's mom? Who's the guy with the one horn? Oh, oh I'm losing it. I forgot his name. Let's Feels see. So I'm bad. looking it up. <laughs> Ro- Roland Durand. That's it. Was that and the first time to lady, see his mother, Lady Issa Durand or Issa yeah. Durand? Um, she was at the very yeah. least referenced last season, I believe. But I don't think yeah. we've actually. I don't know if we've seen her. It was interesting to see the variation in the horn configuration for that species between male and female. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, it was interesting. I was like, okay, is that the first time we've seen a female version of one of those? 
According to Wikipedia, most females of the Deveronian species have uh, vestigial horns. They're just little bumps on the forehead. So mm. seeing her with, you know, a fully manifested crown of horn is apparently unusual. Yeah. So that's why she's, you know, in charge. She's got the Queen Tiara going. With something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, she gives them information that leads them to a planet with a uh, bombed-out Imperial base where Hemlock used to do his research. Um, and uh, I, I was telling you before the um, before the podcast, I was getting like really strong alien vibes from the like like alien the the movie vibes. Um, from that set and the, the creepy crawliness and especially the, um, the little mobile ones that were skittering around that, that reminded me a lot of the face huggers and, um, also reminded me of the, uh, macro viruses in, uh, uh, Voyager. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the little three legged things like that. It was crazy. Yeah. They're going okay. all in on the on the sort of oh, classic sorry, movie references. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, what were you saying, Josh? Oh, I, I just don't get the Voyager reference. <laughs> oh well, could it be because you haven't watched Voyager? Oh yeah. Well, that, that's there we go. Okay. See, there's the problem. We've we've solved the problem now. Um, <laughs> you could just listen to the secrets of Star Trek, and you'll get all caught up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, I loved the um, the discovery of the uh, cadet, the child clones, um, mm -hmm. who had apparently been part of um, the experiments that Hemlock was doing, and um, I know that that just again it it filled out this whole world of of what the clones, what it was like to be a clone. Um, in in the late days of the Republic and, and you know, during the Clone Wars and, and so on. Yeah, it takes you right back to season one where the little guys are being marched off when they're closing down the one cloning facility and they're like, oh, where are we going? Mm -hmm. well, see ya, fellas. Well, now we know. <laughs> yeah. What I thought was interesting was how quickly they were just like, oh yeah, these guys are 99s. And putting it together i'm like how well did they hear stories of 99 and then the whole clone experimental group to just put it together and like is there more than or was that kind of it like they have a very big reputation there and it was kind of interesting to see essentially kids knowing them well they probably saw them a couple times when they would return back home you know, so record could scratch in the wall how many mm. kills they had or successful uh -huh. missions. <laughs> so yeah. they must have seen them. I mean, my my impression was that any defective clone of any kind was considered a 99. Mm. And our Bad Batch were just the very few of the 99s who actually turned out to be... Yeah yeah able to able to um go out and and sort of manage missions on their own no they were planned that way weren't they 
with their special qualities. Um, eventually, yeah, yeah. As Wrecker would say, defective but effective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the backstory behind them is is what that that um there was was it Nala say in the mm-hmm. herself who who thought that oh these defects could be manipulated you know these so-called defects could be manipulated um and uh used to rather augment the clones rather than um make them defective for mm-hmm. for soldierly use and she perfected it and then that's why she's still alive mm-hmm. she got she got something figured out apparently apparently but yeah, those little guys lost in the woods were interesting. I liked their the dynamic between them. They, you know, Mox was apparently the leader, but the the other two, and and was a little taller than the other two. So I'm guessing was like a year older or something, or maybe six months older, whatever. But but yeah, I mean, they they definitely each of them were their own person even if Mox was kind of the, the leader among them. And, and, um, and I loved that speech that Mox gave to, uh, uh, to stack. It was, it was, uh, you know, what did he say? He said, they're putting their lives on the line to save a member of their own squad. I respect that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I loved the way you put that. I respect that. It, 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 kind of gave his whole approach to life in a single sentence there. That was great characterization, mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah, and the effect that seeing Omega's room and the little stuffy there had mm-hmm. on him. So he could see that it's like, wait, this isn't just a group of soldiers. This is family. You know, sort of just relates to how they're still trying to survive after their aftermath. Because mm-hmm. the Bad Batch has been on it for longer, but these guys are relatively recent on their away from being test subjects and clones and trying to actually figure out themselves. Well, long enough to um, see the, the whole base that they used to live in get completely overrun by those slither vines. So I don't know. I, I, I assumed it was at least a good year that they were, out there on their own. Yeah. yeah, it seemed like it. That's still a time of survival in my mind. Focused on being, I guess, a family. It's we got to make sure we're good for the next day, especially with those vines being fairly aggressive before blaster fire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, they're not already aggressive. No, no, yeah. that's not aggressive at all. <laughs> that was a great line. Yeah. <laughs> An interesting enemy to have to, or like a uh, like a natural enemy to have to face on that mm-hmm. planet. It made me wonder what were they crossbreeding to create those slither vines. It's like trying to look at it carefully, going, "What is that? A combination of a little bit of sarlacc pit and those creepy spider things? I don't know." <laughs> well, and it also um, combined with a couple of things that. I forget if it was in the first or the third episode. Uh, I think the third episode, um, but a couple of things that Dr. Hemlock said that made me realize, oh, 
clothing is far from the only thing they are doing at these facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, they are they are creating all kinds of monstrous weapons, and you know we got hints of that when they were. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the the sort of uh, quick growing energy beast. Um, the Zillow Beast, yeah. thank you. From the end of season two, you know, but they're they're trying to create these super weapons of various kinds, um, you know. So it a little bit puts the Death Star in context. Like you've got this technological terror, but you've also got all these biological terrors that they are constructing. And I mean, for me, it raises all these questions like, why, what, what do they need these, you know, super powerful, nigh unstoppable weapons for? I don't know, but it definitely seems unnatural. (laughs) Some would call it unnatural. (laughs) Yes. Um, You know, and, and I know the, the, you know fans of the legends or eu would would say oh it's it's you know hinting at maybe preparations for the um that extra galactic threat uh what are they called the the yuzhen vong is that right oh yeah you know that's that's nowhere near confirmed for for the current uh continuity <laughs> and and uh, you know it just raises all sorts of questions in my mind i love how they were able to get the data and then yeah. the great rescue was awesome. Yeah. Um yeah, I I I mean it was it was totally predictable in the best sort of way that yeah. the the other two cadets were going to swoop in with the rescue and and I loved it. Um I loved the the <laughs> we're going to need more firepower. <laughs> <laughs> Get the whole crate of explosives. <laughs> Boy, uh, definitely had a Lord of the Rings vibe. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Wrecker being sort of terrified and super excited at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure explosives it's like Christmas for him. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> New toys. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but now he's going to have to restock. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And um, what did what did you think of the the ending when they uh, promised to take them off to the island, which they didn't name, but but which we know is the island of Pabu? Um, I thought that was like a nice nod to them trying to make it the somewhat of like a refugee location for them to help. You know, good. They know our good people, who won't like damage sort of what we've seen them build as like a utopia-ish society, where they uh-huh. just kind of do their own thing and live in harmony. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was really nice of them to be. Okay, we have clones now who are going to go live out their lives and not have to worry about war or anything bad going on in the world. They can actually get like a break from the military that they've grown up in. Yeah. What did, what did Hunter say? You know, so you can be something other than soldiers. Yeah. You can easily see how now Hunter is very much the father mm-hmm. because he doesn't see them as punk 
potential recruits that could help them find Omega. Instead, he wants to protect them and find them a safe haven. Yeah. So I thought that was really sweet. And then we switch back to Omega back at Tantus. What this episode is called Shadows of Tantus. And um, we don't need a, you know, a, you know, a stunning tone setting introduction. We are into the story now and we are watching the time go by. But something is different. We've got a visitor. (laughs) (laughs) The so I. okay, I have a theory about uh, Dave Filoni and his entire mission uh, with Star Wars. And I think that, it, and I've, I've said similar things before. I think Dave Filoni's, one of his major goals is to fill in the gaps between um, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens in such a way that the sequel trilogy will actually make sense. That, um, you know, somehow Palpatine returned will go from being a joke line to being something that actually has dramatic weight. And I, I think it's a it's a huge mission because I, you know, I think there were objective problems with the production of the sequel movies. But um, but I also can see how his developing this clone plot um, is very much setting up for the events of of the First Order and Palpatine's return and so on. Dave Filoni is filling in some of the best parts of the books that are no longer canon because we have Mount Tantus back, which was uh-huh. awesome in the original Thrawn trilogy. And to know that Palpatine was up to this, there was this secret cloning that was mixed with hey how do you clone a jedi without it going insane and so to me i am loving what he is doing in bridging the gap and fixing the miss of what was some of the best star wars storylines ever written okay no this definitely very much fills in i guess that the main plot hole we have with the sequels of just somehow palpatine returning but <laughs> I'm still interested in seeing how they also said they're going to blend them all together and seeing where all the other stories start interweaving in here shortly. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, this, this has a very straightforward, okay. O- Omega's blood sample thing flashed yellow at the end and became like this lovely presentation piece. But then it's like, okay, where, where's what's everybody else doing? I got a little theology of the body tie in with all of this. Okay. So everything they've been testing as far as the clones go are all men. And so men in the theology of the body are the givers of life. Women are the receivers. And here's Omega. And she finally has the blood type that is receptive to gaining minichlorians. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, 
That's kind that, of we don't we don't know they're midichlorians. We just know it's an M count. M count. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but everything else is all about the dang midichlorians, including the little graphic of the little globe, just like in, you know, please test the blood sample of this little Anakin Skywalker. Oh, off the charts. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. It was like, okay, the, this is the first time that they're, you know, testing her, who's more of a clone, I think, than Emery as far as purpose goes. And so, yeah, she happens to be the, the receptive one. Omega is also the only other unaltered clone other than Boba Fett. So True. that means that she, the other one was at least like mutated somehow. Mm-hmm. Emery in the and yeah, presumably and- the other technicians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Omega's the unaltered version, which adds into your theology, I guess, of Mary Does being this- the virgin mother. <laughs> you know, this unaltered clone, uh, like untouched. Ah. Well, do you think receive it? Nice. Do you think then that Boba Fett would not be able to yeah. Have a um, have a trend what a receptive a no loss transmission of the M counter or however they put yeah. it. Yeah. See, I don't know, because whenever I was sort of re exploring it all, she was just Omega was just notified as this unaltered clone. It never said directly that it was of Django Fett. If like it was mm-hmm. his DNA. I'm guessing it was supposed to be implied that it was. But if they, if this, my mind speculating that, you know, Omega's not the same clone at this point, who is she the clone of and how, how would that work out? I guess. I did hear someone say that, I don't know if it's in a comic book or something, that Django Fett had a sister that might have been at the cloning facility. Could be. I haven't looked into that anymore. Then I just heard it a quick little blip on another, Mm -hmm. like, little review. So it's like I don't know. Do that, or it sets Omega up to be uh, Ray's great grandmother. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I mean, yeah. There, there are so many question marks still out there. Um, but, but it does give like to some to me some hope that um, like if if there's going to be a. Dave Filoni directed movie that kind of ties together all of these threads that, you know, a, maybe we'll see some of the bad batch in live action, which would be kind of interesting. Um, I wonder if we'll see Grogu in the bad batch. (laughs) That would be, I'm just saying he's around. (laughs) They're looking for his blood too. So we have seen some animated versions of Grogu. Um, Really? That have been not bad. Um, Grogu? And what? I think so. Yes, it was. Um, it wasn't part of the, the uh, Visions series, but uh, Studio Ghibli put together a, a short animated piece um, mm-hmm. starring Grogu. Well, that was pretty good. Have to look that one up. I'm just thinking of all the of just how hit and miss Yoda has been in animated features though. <laughs> oh, the most recent one being Rebels, right? 
Oh, yeah. Yes. That was an unusual let's, looking Yoda. Yeah. Let's not talk about that one. It's so <laughs> sad. Um, the, the one thing Rebels did not get an A plus from. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the writing, the writing was good, but wow. Just, I mean, Rebels, the Rebels animation in general um, was not the greatest, I think. But, oh, um, really? I loved it. It just felt like a looser, freer drawing style, but in 3D. Because you could okay. see you could see the pencil lines, so to speak, like in the old Disney animations, when every now and then you'd see the pencil lines. Okay, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. Nice. I would. I have not been like a fan of the visual style of any of the animated series from from Star Wars. I I didn't like the way the Clone Wars looked either. The um the original like um um Jindy, uh, uh uh little mini episodes or the the long running series um oh wow was not yeah i i was not a fan of the of the animation style of rebels i didn't like the animation style of of um what's it called um resistance so, so did you not like the original scooby doo growing up I was okay with Scooby-Doo. What, is, there, is there a lot of connection in your mind between them? Oh, between the, the original, the animated series of Clone Wars is very much like 1970s cartoons. Very okay. much. And they actually had a Scooby-Doo character in there. They had a, a Jedi Padawan or a young Jedi that looked like Shaggy. Oh, wow. Goatee and all. So, so yeah, that was like 70s cartoons. And then the Clone Wars series felt like um, like a combination of the claymation Christmas stuff and mm. the mannequin or not, uh, the marionette little um, shows. Gosh, what were those shows? Oh, they had like, like all the, the characters um, um, in marionette. Oh gosh! Sorry, Josh. I, way before your time. I'm sorry. These are the ones that, um, like, inspired Team America: World Police, right? Yeah, like stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, um. Oh gosh! And I'm Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds is. Um, yes, they had like a yeah. carved puppet look, but in 3D animation. That's what the Clone Wars felt like to me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and I got, and I got I have, nostalgic on all of them. What can I say? <laughs> I think I've enjoyed something about a lot of the originals, uh, like the, the, the inspirations that you're talking about, but, but man, I did not like the way it came together, like visually. And I, I reckon this is purely a taste thing. And, um, for the most part, the writing, especially of rebels got me past, you know, what I didn't like about the visual aspect, Mm -hmm. but, and I thought rebels got better each season. And now back to the batch. <laughs> back to the batch. Who again? I mean, the animation style is not my thing, but man, I love the writing so much. I love these characters. Yes. Have we have we kind of talked through each of the episodes? We didn't get to the yeah, escape yet. No. We didn't get quite to the escape. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think, where my like I loved. I loved Omega's leadership in that. And my heart just was like almost breaking when Emery turned them in, in, yeah. in the 
cage down below. Oh, I, oh. again, really interesting, complex character. And I hope that she develops more over the series. What really broke my heart was seeing Nala say. Yeah. She yeah. was so much thinner, which is crazy to say for, you know, her species. Mm-hmm. But her neck was like a string and her cheekbones were even hollowed out even more. And just the way she moved a little slower, you can tell that she's just been struggling and under such mm-hmm. stress about not wanting to do what she has to do. And not seeing any other option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but as soon as, you know, her hands were tied and she couldn't do anything about it, she was like, Omega, you gotta get out of here. Yeah. She, she mm-hmm. at least gave her the means to be able to escape. Yeah. We'll see what happens to Nala say. I don't think they can kill her off. But I was by your side the whole time. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what they do mm-hmm. to her or what happens. And even though I saw it coming, I love the whole build up with Omega and Batch. Mm-hmm. And like her, you know, healing Batch and making her feel better and sending her off. Because I knew it was going to come back around that Batch was going to oh, save yeah. her somehow. It was oh, just yeah. awesome. I mean, I, mean, I used this... to have a dog that was a pit bull mix. So to have a, you know, a powerful dog that you know can also be as gentle as a lamb is kind of a neat feeling. It's like, oh, cool. Like, you know, especially when the dog started barking at the robot. Or droid, sorry, I said robot, droid. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That was just, that reminded me of the times when the dog would get mad if it thought any of the girls were in danger. <laughs> I mean, there's there's nothing subtle about this show. Um, yeah. It's, and, and, and it, I mean, it paid off beautifully. Um, the whole escape sequence, the the timing of it, the getting, you know, getting the emperor sort of in and out exactly so that you could get those powerful moments with the emperor, you know, um, was nothing of, there's nothing of greater importance to secure the future of this empire. And, um, and you could see the effect that had on Hemlock. Um, I have the, Re- the entire resources of the empire at my disposal. And the whole reason why it's secured is because of Palpatine's ego to return. Mm-hmm. To live forever his necromancer potion, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I loved how Hemlock's scolding of Omega over releasing Batch, or Batcher, yeah. ended up coming back around on him. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, there's consequences to these actions and it's like yep all in omega's favor (laughs) she's got a little hound out there to take care of her yes yes and and he he even said you know their actions have consequences sometimes beyond what we can predict or see Mm -hmm. um yeah i forget exactly the words but yeah and so much about like all of these episodes and, and in a sense, the whole series um, just focused on what is the value of a life, mm-hmm. right? You know, what is the value of, of a Lurka hound's life? What is the value of a clone's life? What is the value of a person's life? Never quite get around to what is the value of a droid's life. Um <laughs> I mean, 
like it was especially uh like uh, uh clear to me when you've got omega there uh he, he, tending to uh batcher's wound and then she turns around and absolutely executes the the canine <laughs> um droid yeah and <laughs> like unhesitatingly just completely executes it and she figured a living creature over a machine yeah her skills are still pretty sharp for being able to escape as well as she did minimal minimal damage to her but also was interesting was crosshair starting to shake yeah i don't think you really noticed that did they explain what i don't think they explained why he was shaking if it's just kind of him being starved out or if he's getting sick or something. Well, well I think they marched him out of that room with the other clones and you see them all hunched over. It's like, are they mm-hmm. being you know, daily tortured to try mm-hmm. to get information? I don't know. Or to rehab I, them, as Hemlock yeah, said. <laughs> or I would think to test them for usability in, in one way or another. I mean, we know that the Tyrell Corporation puts a, a life limit on its replicants. Okay, maybe this isn't Blade Runner, but it's, it's <laughs> um, you know, it, it it had a very kind of the end is nigh for for Crosshair. His his time is running out. And um, there was a great lighting effect that happened between him and Omega when yeah. he was in his cell. Uh, and he was purposely above and backlit, and so the his bars cast a shadow on Omega's face, so that she had the crosshair symbol on her face. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that was really cool. I liked how that looked, and just kind of you felt like there was a really strong bond between them. Like we like we knew Omega had a strong bond with him in the first season. Mm-hmm. You know when she was like trying to say. You can't help it and all that other stuff, but it was just neat to see it kind of reciprocated a little too, where he seemed to have a strong bond with her. Yeah, it's definitely strengthened somehow during their time in prison together because he sort of had his change of heart after his first escape, but now it's like our actual chance of seeing him trying to reconnect with the group more and being able Mm -hmm. to escape and rejoin the family. I, I definitely get a sort of prodigal son sense from him. Like he, I think he still doesn't see himself as part of the family, but he's escaped and they are his best chance at survival now. And so he will do what it takes to survive. Um, and, and I think even he can't deny that he has, some care for Omega and they are certainly Omega's best chance for survival. So now it'll be fun to see, are they going to like pass each other out in space? <laughs> I know because, because yeah, you've got Hunter and Wrecker who are getting closer to the answer of where is Hemlock and Omega and Crosshair have just escaped. It's like Wally and Eve. No, <laughs> <laughs> go fly past each other yeah and we've got what it's gonna be a 15 episode season oh nice in fact we have we have titles already 
titles and release dates for all of the episodes. We've got a lot of story between here and the end. So who knows how long it's going to take them to to reconnect. I suppose it could happen in episode four, um, but it might be, you know, episode 14. Yeah. What what is the sense that you guys here's here's the really risky part of the show. What do you predict for the rest of the season? I really want to see a Rex Invader confrontation. Oh, wow. That would be insane. That is a very out of, (laughs) out in there, but it would be something very interesting to see in this series happening. Somehow Vader gets sent to find Omega, and maybe Omega catches up with Rex and Echo, and then they all collide together. It, It definitely has been long enough that Vader should be active on the scene. by this point right yeah so well if palpatine finds out that hey we've got a viable specimen but not here he's got to send his big dog to go find her right or even boba fett maybe as a bounty hunter going out and hunting down his sister ish his other clone maybe he's kind of young still though but he's starting to switch i guess like this would be his time period of starting to work for the empire and making a name for himself more he should be on his uprise yeah yeah well and don't forget they teased us with ventress showing up in this so who knows where that's gonna go (laughs) ventress and omega would be a very interesting dialogue to see happen (laughs) just because even her as a character and how she sort of changed from being like a Sith apprentice, uh, not apprentice, assassin to uh, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call her now, a, just a rogue anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, I mean, a rogue force user. Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't there some reference to her teaming up with the Jedi that was mentioned in Kenobi when he was reading the the ones that had made it through? What was it? The way or the the passageway? The path. Or the, yeah. the path. And I thought that they had named a Jedi that she ended up teaming up with. I think it was in a book or something. Somebody mentioned it to me. I hadn't read the book, so I didn't know I'm, any details. I'm not, yeah, I'm not that deep in the lore. It'll be interesting. See how it all plays together. And hopefully we see Rex again. Yeah, Rex is supposed to be with Echo, right? Yes, they're still working together. Who we have not seen at all. But they've been mentioned, and so hopefully we'll see them in the next couple episodes. No. And we don't need to revisit Sid. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I wouldn't mind mind seeing, like, you know, as a last resort, like, going back to her, maybe giving her a chance to redeem herself. I'm curious what's going to happen with... They haven't talked much about tech we got like a few little things but i did notice that his goggles were sitting on the console and so it was like oh you know is is, are they going to talk more about that in any way it'd be interesting to see you know if anything comes up from that it implies that they went back to look for the body well yeah we know that they were given the goggles from hemlock saying this is what we found oh that's right that's right yeah it's like, okay, is there more to that story? 
I don't know. His goggles showed a lot of data on them anytime he needed it. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see what they could get out of it. Oh, that'd be cool if they could download data off his goggles. Mm-hmm. Then they'd have all of their all of the bad batches plans. So I have one crazy art thing to bring up. Okay. So the bars in Omega's window and the bars in Crosshair's cell and the mm-hmm. other cells for the clones have a certain pattern to them. Mm-hmm. And I knew I'd seen it before in stained glass windows. And that pattern's actually called Queen Anne. So that's in reference to Queen Anne from the 1700s, who is credited with bringing the United Kingdom together. So it was kind of like her thing. What was interesting is, is there going to be any reference somehow? Because Queen Anne, none of her children survived. She had, I think, over a dozen miscarriages. Oh, no. One child that lived to, like, I think after 10 years old or something, ended up getting sick and dying. So I feel like, wait, is that going to be like a subtle reference to none of what they try to produce off of Omega will survive for her blood sample? (laughs) Just like, a little crazy thought. I don't know if the... The art department went that far with it, or they just used that design because it mimicked the hallway and made a cool crosshair on her face. But either way, I found it a cool visual to use that pattern. Uh, you never know. You never know. I mean, the this is one of the great things about, especially animation these days, is you have so many people working on these projects, and they're, every one of them, a really smart person. And so you can never rule out like just how deep some of these rabbit trails or Easter eggs might go. I don't know if there's much more to say about these episodes. I am super excited to see what's coming up next. Um, I, I loved, um, I loved like a lot of the pieces of, of season two, but it, it felt like it wandered a little bit. And these episodes are giving me the sense of a much stronger central storyline, which is very much to my taste. And so I am super excited to see where where the story is going to go um, and how they're going to, yeah, how they're going to reconnect the different scattered members of the batch. And I read, um, I was reading on uh, Omega herself, uh, behind the scenes, the let's see who is it it was the sorry it was the uh the voice actress michelle ang was talking about uh recording this season and said that they had a couple different endings uh that they tried out for the season and that the one they came up with the word she used for it is bittersweet so yeah yeah i'm okay and i i myself tend to like a bittersweet ending so i am i am uh hopeful for the direction the season is going wow yeah now you got me all like ah what's gonna happen (laughs) yeah yeah well we will certainly be talking about it here on secrets of star wars i suppose that's all for this week Listeners, we would love to hear your thoughts about The Bad Batch and about all things Star Wars. Please drop us a line at starwars at sqpn.com. 
Uh, drop us a line on Facebook at StarQuest Media. We've got a very active Discord server that you can uh, join through our website, sqpn.com slash Discord. You can help our community grow, find more people who uh, love Star Wars and love the faith when you subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, lots of others. We even have an SQPN YouTube channel. We'd like to thank especially our patrons on Patreon who make it possible for Secrets of Star Wars and all the shows on StarQuest Media to be created. This episode, we'd especially like to thank Ned G, Aaron D, Lee H, Drew M, and Joe D. Thank you for your generous support. If the rest of you would like to join them, uh, please visit sqpn.com slash give, and your help will help keep our work going. So, yeah, that's all for now. Till next time, Catherine, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. It was good tech. And Joshua, it's been great to have you. Always happy to join. Once again, I've been Robert King. Thank you all for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Here's another podcast on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash secrets.